Traveler. We are live from the apocalypse. Hello. Hi there. It's your Academy Age Storyteller Will here once again, welcoming you to another episode of our Masks Actual Play podcast of the same name. Perhaps you've heard of it. I'm very excited that we get to share this new arc with you, and not only that, it is a very special one because it features a guest appearance from our very good friend Corey, who some of you may be familiar with from our streamed D&D 5e game class reunion. And speaking of streaming, just a quick reminder that we do record Academy H live over at twitch.tv slash live from the apocalypse every other Sunday night. And we would love to have you stop by and hang out and see how the podcast sausage gets made. It's a good time and a lot of fun and you get to see our beautiful faces and see all the things that didn't make it into the final cut of the show for one reason or another. It's also where we do the majority of our fundraising, and just a quick reminder that we are still raising money for Rainbow Railroad. So if you're so inclined, stop by, check out a stream, donate whatever you can spare, and then look forward to hearing those episodes fully edited and soundscaped. And speaking of editing, just a quick note that we did have some audio issues with the recording of these episodes, so the quality may not be quite what you're used to. Unfortunately, there was only so much we could do. But that doesn't change the fact that they are very, very fun. Corey did a great job. So I'm going to stop talking and let you hear it for yourself. Without further ado, here's Academy H, Add-ons and Extras, Part 1. Uh, welcome. Just a hundred times. <laughs> welcome, everybody, to Live from the Apocalypse, and more importantly, to Academy H. I, well, more important, about the same, equal importance. Uh, that's us. That's who we are. We play games on the internet to raise money for uh, charitable causes, nonprofits, aid organizations, and things like that. This is our Masks Actual Play podcast, believe it or not. Uh, we do, in fact, have a guest with us. And that's a very cool thing. So with that in mind, why don't we go around and uh, introduce ourselves a little bit, which means, as always, it's everybody's favorite segment. Did Brendan remember that he goes first? (laughs) You know what? I didn't come here to be attacked like this. Um, (laughs) These perfidious deceptions and and nemiserial character assassinations. But hi, uh, I'm I'm Brendan. Uh, I am here. I play Alex Sandowski, a.k.a. Victory, using the legacy playbook when i am not doing this uh i also do run tabletop games for people off stream sometimes even in meat space with physical dice and physical people and sometimes miniatures and um, people do tell me that they are quite good uh so good in fact they give me money to do it so if you would like to learn more about that you can email me at creative.catacombs at gmail.com Hi, I'm Jamie. I play Danny Carseat, a.k.a. The Stage, who uses the Harbinger rulebook. I am a comedian based out of the Pacific Northwest. I am very good at stand-up comedy um, and uh, pretty okay at everything else. Eh, I'm fine at most other things and bad at quite a few. But um, yeah, if you like comedy, check my just type my name into YouTube or some stuff or TikTok. You'll find some good stuff. And if you don't like comedy, I have nothing for you. Go away. It is so unfair every single time we record this that I have to go after Jamie because they are so amazing and we love them. I'm JD. (laughs) 
I play in this game Casimir Bright, aka Spectral, who uses the Scion playbook. And then, of course, I have some exciting things that I still cannot speak of quite yet. So we'll just leave that teaser for you and uh, see what announcements there might be in the coming weeks. Hi, I'm Julia, the local Delaware cryptid. I play Lyra Kroll, aka Bethel, which uses the Janus playbook, which is uh, basically the only playbook where it's like everyone knowing who I am is a problem. I am a frequent lurker of our Discord, so if you are not a part of our community, you should definitely hang out there. And then you can find me at HexWhat on pretty much all other social media. I I do be whiling on Twitter some days. <laughs> that is very true. And uh, how do we? I think last time, I don't think I made our last guest go last. So I don't. Corey, do you want to go last? Do you want me to go? For, I don't care. Corey, I'll go, go right now. Cool. <laughs> Hi, it's me, Corey. Today I'll be playing uh, Chase Boyd, aka Extra. Normally I play Wayne Hovacek in Class Reunion, and there will be more fun stuff to come, because I can say that because it's in the futures. That just leaves me. Uh, hi, my name is Will. I'm one of the storytellers and the organizers here at Life in the Apocalypse. I can feel my eye twitching, because it has been a week. Um, and I that's it for me. I'm going to end it there. Danny. You had just arrived back from your magical mystery tour. You were standing in the middle of your common room, and you heard voices outside of the door and heard the knob start to turn. And then I think I also answered a very angry phone call. You <laughs> did, and you threw your phone out the window. Danny is uh, going to close his eyes and then put his arms out like he's uh, ready for a big team hug. Victory and Bethel, you're both probably very, I mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth. You've been to therapy. It was an experience. Probably an experience that took a toll on you. And in the aftermath of that, you are returning from your session back to your suite. How are you feeling? Let's check in. Um, well, so, well, one very important question, I think, is, well, are we us, or given the time travel chicaneries of the last episode, uh, are, are we, are we bigoteed versions of ourselves? Very good question, and you are you. I mean, as far as anybody can ever be aware that they are. Asking the real questions. As far as anyone can be aware. What is real, you know? Maybe you had that goatee our whole lives, we just never noticed. I guess more than like your mental state, because we had a whole episode kind of covering that physically. How are you? Exhausted? Are you in good spirits? Are you feeling better? I think Lyra is a little bit subdued because, again, she was not she had no physical impacts from the fight because she didn't know it was happening. So all of her kind of like that she's carrying around is just like mental and emotional so she's a little bit subdued but otherwise she's fine so like even that is kind of hard to tell because the facial read that you have for Lyra is again just the lower part of her face so I think it's pro- it might be obvious just in that she is quieter probably than anything else I think Alex is actually standing up almost a little bit too straight. He is trying very, very hard to project 
image of having it together. But despite the fact that he can now literally levitate at will, he has never felt heavier. And I think that is the energy that you feel when you enter the room. The doorknob turns. Alex and Bethel, you walk into the suite, which is empty. Danny, the door to the suite opens, and somebody walks in that you do not recognize. Corey, would you like to describe Chase? So Chase Boyd, he walks in. Um, gray, like slate gray onesie, really nothing interesting about it. He also has a pair of goggles on his head because that's what cool superheroes wear. Um, yeah. Super pale uh, hair is blonde, like almost like translucent blonde. And he opens the door and just kind of like goes up to it and knocks on it after it's already open. He's like, hey, anybody in here? Knocks again. Uh, Danny will like with his arms open and like head back, will cock one eye open and see chase and be like uh um alex did you change your everything uh so i have this and i pull out like a letter of introduction essentially of being like i think this is my new room hand it on over danny will take it and i was gonna ask because i feel like it does have to be asked does danny read it (laughs) I don't think he does. Yeah, I mean... I think he just trusts and just shoves it into his overalls. Well, welcome, new roommate. Hello. My name is... Hello. Uh, Daniel. Um... Daniel. okay. New lore just dropped. <laughs> this is our room. Um, we have... I'm so sorry. What was your name? Hi, uh, my name's Chase, but I sometimes I go by Extra. Um, and I think it's really sweet that you called it our room because I feel really like included already. Like, I feel like I'm already a part of the team. I, I did not know if someone was moving. I've been on leave and I just got back. So I guess uh, that's my room and that's Kaz's room and that's Alex's room and that is where... Bethel keeps some stuff, but she doesn't live there. So I guess you can have either the kitchen or the living room. The bathroom is nice, but I use it a lot. So I don't want to intrude on your space. Chase kind of just walks in very confident or seeming very confident and kind of like sticks his suitcase under the couch. Just like, the living room it is. <laughs> Danny accepts this 100% and just smiles and thumbs up. <laughs> Honestly, relatable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Perfect. And um, on that note, Kaz, where did you go after therapy? So Kaz split off from the other two as soon as therapy was over. I would say the two of them have not been seeing much of him. Like he's definitely been in his room, but he's been out of the dorm more often than not. And he is doing what he has been doing recently, which is... He's made one of his full skeletal constructs, but built it around himself and is climbing up the side of the building using it to get up to the roof. 
because that is where he has been spending his time. Even if there was easier roof access, this is the choice he has been making. Oh, yeah. Is this just for the purposes of general broodiness, or is there another reason that you've been spending a lot of time on the roof? Mostly for general broodiness. Those gargoyles get lonely. (laughs) (laughs) Big Raphael energy. (laughs) We see this big skeletal figure just sort of scaling the side of Ellis Tower up to the top of the roof. And the top of the roof is fairly bare bones. A lot of HVAC units just kind of sitting there like in rows. There's some space between them, but for the most part... You are often alone up here. Pretty much always alone up here, except for like the occasional, you know, bird. And that's just, I guess, you alone with your thoughts, huh? Yeah, I think Kaz does what he's been doing, which is just kind of take a seat. Some of what he's been doing is practicing, but he's also been taking a certain card out of his pocket with a certain symbol on it. And he doesn't do anything with the card, He just kind of turns it over in his hands and stares at it. And after a bit, we'll put it away, but inevitably he will take it out again. Almost as if on cue, as you reach for the card, just sort of habitually the second time, your phone rings and Magil chimes in and says, Important call. This is an important call. Thank you, Magil. And I'm going to look at the caller ID. I don't know how you would have put him into your phone, but Alistair Infernum did give you his number after the incident at the kettle, and he is calling you now. I think it probably just says Alistair, and Kaz seems surprised when he sees that his phone's ringing and who is calling him, and then he answers and just says, hello, this is Kaz. Kaz, hi. Um, have you been? I've been better. Uh, how about you? Any uh, any demon problems more than usual recently? Uh, yeah, I mean, um, always. Uh, that's sort of, you know, name of my autobiography. Uh, <laughs> it is actually the name of my autobiography. It's, it's not out yet. Don't tell anyone. But, um, yeah. <laughs> okay, that's kind of cool. Glad you think so. Uh, Listen, I know we never really got a chance to chat after everything at the kettle, everything that happened with your with your friend. Um, But um, look, I've been thinking about your problem. I don't know if uh, I don't know if I can fix it for you or anything, but I think I can help. I think I can help you at least protect yourself. I mean, that's that's the best lead I've I've had recently. So what would be the best way? Uh, I mean, you could... I'm not really sure what the appropriate thing to do in this situation is. Like, it feels weird for me to come to the dorm where you live. It also feels weird to have you over to where I live. And I'm not really sure about the etiquette here. Yeah, I'm not sure either, honestly. Um, I, I I guess n- neutral ground, like we find neutral ground somewhere, whatever that that is, like um, a coffee shop. 
Sure. Yeah, I'll send you an address. Or the graveyard. I don't. I don't know what fits. Uh, let's do coffee shop. Let's do, let's go to a coffee shop, shall we? And not um, a graveyard. Yeah, that's that's probably good. I wouldn't want the dead to start rising because knowing my luck, that's exactly what would happen. Um, yeah. All right. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. Don't mention it. Um, happy to help. That's. Uh, I'm told that's what heroes do. Yeah, I guess I'm not sure I would know that quite yet. Yeah, you and me both. Um, look, I'll see you later. I've got to run. Right. Thanks again. Absolutely. You've not yet received the reply from Alistair, but it should be forthcoming if he is to be believed. I will say I think Kaz does text him and just ask, should I come alone? You will not receive a reply immediately. So let's check back in in the dorm room with Chase and Danny. What are you doing? To help make Chase feel welcome, Danny is going to be making a meal for Chase. But Danny's version of making a meal is opening portals and stealing food from restaurants. He will open a portal to where someone is eating, take their plate, does not care if they have started or not, is just stealing food from a variety of things from like fast food like McDonald's or like 7-Eleven pizza to like the fanciest sort of, you know, French bistros and the like to try and find something that he thinks Chase will enjoy. So uh, bathroom's right there. Um, do you mind if I take a moment, just you know, freshen up a little bit, head to the bathroom, head on in there, uh, turn the water on get down on my knees in front of the toilet, dry heave a couple times, and then flush the toilet, get up in the mirror, and go, this is the one, okay? This is the one. This is the chance. This is what we're doing, okay? This is the team. Today is the day. You are strong. You are powerful. You can do this. And then, like, uh, turns a little bit, and a spectral version of Extra pops out, and just, like, high five, makes the sound of stuff. Turns off the water first, opens the door. Wow, okay, great. Um, so d- you got pizza. I love pizza. Heck yeah. I'm so happy to be here. Danny, how thin are the bathroom doors? <laughs> <laughs> That's a loaded question, given some of the inside jokes of this game. But um, I will say that, uh, I don't know how to answer that question. Standard Standard thickness? Okay, if the water's running, I'm going to say Danny didn't hear it. Uh, with the water okay. running, uh, Danny will have polite, like, like, maybe he heard voices, but it was just like, you know, sometimes you need a little support while you're in there. I totally understand. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's fair to say you heard noise. You may not have been able to tell what it was. Danny talks to himself a lot. I don't think Danny would ever question anybody no. else doing I that. agree. <laughs> uh, I, but if, he, if Danny could hear specific words, that would become worrisome. But if Danny okay. just hears someone talking and just be like, sounds good. Same, brother. Hell yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you just need to talk to somebody and that somebody is you. Chase, almost like expecting you might have heard something. But do you also uh, sing happy birthday when you're washing your hands? Because I heard that's like how long you're supposed to wash your hands. So I just sing to myself every time I wash my hands. Happy birthday to you. <laughs> oh, I wear gloves everywhere. So I don't, I don't wash my hand unless I'm taking a shower. And then Danny's going to like stare off into the middle of the distance and realize he's never really thought about it before. 
and then snap back and just be like, all right, so I've got um, pizzas. I've got, um, I think that's a turducken from some nice family over in the Bay. Um, we've got uh, garlic bread. This dude was just eating a McRib, so I just grabbed that. That's for me. You can't have that. But the rest of this, feel free to help yourself. Welcome. I'm so happy. Uh, I'm, so, I'm so happy to meet you. Me too. Do you want to split a pizza? I, I, yes. I will, uh, yes. Danny will, not understanding the term split of food before, Danny will use a portal to bisect the pizza and also the counter a little bit and uh, take one half of it and hand the other half to Chase. Right. All right. Taking big bites of the pizza. This is going to be great. I can't wait. Danny, not realizing that this is weird, just, just starts to agree. Yeah. Yes. Excellent. Perfect. <laughs> Cutting away from these two new best friends in the suite, Alex and Bethel. It has been now a couple of days since your therapy appointment. The moment we saw earlier was you returning directly after it. Your suite was empty. You kind of just went back to your lives as they are. Kaz has been distant and withdrawn even more so than usual recently. But in this particular day, you both would have been alerted by Magil, your respective Magils, that you have been summoned. You have been summoned to the Sky Spire, which is the headquarters for the Union Heroic, the world's foremost superhero team, of which Luminary is the leader. Oh boy. Lyra, in your particular case, I am sure you had prior plans for today. And it was probably very inconvenient for you to rearrange them. More than likely. But that's also kind of just like what she does now. I think Lyra at this point might actually be relying on Magil a little bit to keep her schedule and asking Magil to help her rearrange it when she needs to. Lord knows Lyra needs the help with all her shit going on. I am going to make a judgment call and say Magil is an AI and asking Magil to... (laughs) track and manager schedule for you has resulted in your magil becoming very burned out and uh testy <laughs> i speak so kindly to her your magil has uh, has changed but on that note because a little bit of time has passed you know what time it is it's time to roll with mundane to see how you're managing your obligations all of my shit eight six one and one You have lapsed on one obligation, and you get to choose which one it is. So your three categories at this point, just for the audience's edification, you have your job, which is assisting your old gymnastics coach with teaching, especially kids' lessons. You have school, where you are enrolled at Powers University in some subset of their geology program. And you have your social obligations, which include your enormous family, and in specific, your immigrant grandparents. I think I think what probably slipped is my job because I feel like school at this point with how awkward things are with the with the squad and stuff and how being at the college keeps her from having to be home and it's a legitimate excuse I think she's been like really putting a lot more focus into that area than anything else so I feel like her job has just been been slipping. Yeah, that could even be like 
not just like taking less shifts. I'm sure she may have even like missed maybe one or two. I was going to say, I think maybe the way, I think maybe the way that manifests is when you get this alert to your phone from Magil that you are being summoned to the Sky Spire, it is amidst a series of missed or ignored text messages from your boss, basically just asking, like, where are you? Can you pick up this shift? That kind of thing. And so when, when Magil alerts you and says, important incoming message. Also, apparently less important messages awaiting your attention. Magil, you asked if there was something you could do to help me. And I don't know why you're acting like this now. If you don't want to help anymore, you can say. I'm trying. Okay, so if you don't want to do it anymore, then just say that. That is my function. Is it? Because you don't seem happy about it. And I really don't need this passive aggression from you. You li- you heard. You heard my mother. You need to stop listening to her. Because I don't need this on two fronts. I'm begging. She gets shit done. Okay. Sure. Sure. Okay. My algorithm is configured to allow me to become exactly what you need. And apparently what you need is a mother. I have a mother, Magil. And I will uninstall you if you keep this up. Is that what you want? Hmm? Hmm? I will reevaluate parameters. Thank you. I appreciate it. Now I have to go get ready to go to the goddamn Union Heroic headquarters of all fucking places. Did the message say who else was being requested or did it? The message was very terse, actually. It said very little. It did not say who else was included. Okay. Well, I think because I've been doing some stuff, mostly I think with Masterson relating to Nina, I'm just going to presume it's something that should stay private and I'm not going to reach out to see if anyone else got this message. Fair assumption. Alex, some time has passed for you as well. Ah, uh, yes. Let me see what my time pass move is here. Uh, what time pass? Right. Roll plus savior to see how members of my legacy feel or react to my most recent exploits. Uh, before rolling, ask the other players to answer these questions about your performance. and Take minus one for each no answer. So, uh, poll the group here for these questions. Uh, so, have I been upholding the traditions of my legacy? I think yes. I think yes. Okay, cool. Have I maintained the image of my legacy? Also, yes, I think. I would also go with yes. If anything, I'd say you'd have improved it. (laughs) Fair enough. Then finally, always a loaded question, have I made the other members of my legacy proud? Based on the interaction that we had at the end of the therapy episode, I think the answer might be yes. At least in as much as I can trust him. Yeah, I mean, that is the thing. Your legacy is kind of ever-growing at this point, which is interesting. And the most recent member of it, Dr. Victory, Dr. Charles McManus Jr., pretty much explicitly said he was proud of you. All right, well, I guess I uh, do not take any minus ones to that savior role. Do I have any savior at this point? Uh, Oh, I have one savior. All right, yeah, okay, cool. Let's see how this goes. 
Okay. All right. Yeah, that's uh, that's 12. So on a hit, one of them all, one of them offers me meaningful encouragement, an opportunity, or an advantage. I think this is the first time that I have succeeded at this role. I believe you are correct. (laughs) (laughs) Well, previously you've had a bunch of penalties to it. (laughs) This is the first time you're rolling um, flat, which is good for you. Here's my thought. In this particular case, what that means is that we're going to open in the skies above province. It's a beautiful day. There are very few clouds in the sky. The sky is bright blue. The sun is shining. And I think we are going to see Alex kind of racing along, flying through the air, when suddenly you are quickly and handily overtaken by another figure, who we clearly see now as they stop a few hundred feet ahead of you and like wait for you to catch up as Dr. Victory. The slightly younger and much more physically fit incarnation of Dr. Victory, who recently revealed that he was from another Earth. And he is going to call to you and say, you're doing a great job. Just don't lose focus. That's the key. Right. Yep. No, I got it. I think I just... (sighs) The trouble is just like maintaining any kind of like speed without losing focus. Like, like I, I can, I can keep flying. That's not the problem. I'm just not, I, I just, I just feel like I would still get faster jumping places. For now, perhaps most of the victory powers, Alex, like your strength are unconscious. They're a result of your peak physical aptitude. Flight is different. Flight is a product of your mind requires constant focus and the harder you can focus on it the more effectively you can maintain singular focus on it the faster you'll be the more maneuverable that's the key okay all right oh it's gotta focus it's gotta all right it's gotta clear my mind it's gotta clear it don't don't think about the ground don't think about how high up you are don't think about what happens when you lose focus. Don't think about ending up ass over tea kettle back against the asphalt again. Alex. Hmm? What? I'm focused. You can do this. And with that statement, he is going to try to shift your labels. He is going to try to shift superior up and mundane down. You know, I'm going to let him. Okay. Yep. So, yeah, he says he believes in you. He gives you this advice. He looks you dead in the eye, says you can do this, and he will turn away and start flying again. And this time you are much closer to keeping up with him. This time you can almost reach out and, like, touch the edge of his cape as you are following after him. Swear to God, I'm going to snatch that beach towel right off his back. <laughs> And yeah, you you have that moment about an hour later after you finished up your training session for that day. You were both standing on a rooftop below. That's when Magil will alert you that you have an important communication. Magil, what's up, girl? You are receiving an important communication from the Union Heroic. Um, 
Oh, um, sorry. I think, <laughs> sorry, Badger, sorry. I think I'm, my ears are still a little ringing um, from the altitude. Um, could you say that again? I'm pretty sure I just heard you say the Union Heroic was paging me. They're not paging you. I do not have that functionality. Would you like me to have that functionality? Alex is just kind of like standing there. Just like he is hovering a couple of feet off the ground, just like staring into space. Your Magil is very patient. Uh, right. Yes. No. Cool. Um, that's a hey, great. Awesome. Perfect. Uh, hey, yeah. Pencil them in. Uh, do, I don't have any conflicts, right? No, you have no conflicts. Good. Great. Awesome. You've uh, never told me to pencil anything in before. Uh, no, no, of course, no, of course I, yes, no, of course I have. Yeah, no, I'm a busy, busy super guy. This is an exciting day for us. <laughs> oh, wait, right about that. Oh gosh. Uh, when do they want to meet, um, me, uh, or when do I meet them? Sorry, I guess if they're not coming to me, right, right. They're not coming to me. I'm coming to them, right. You have been invited to this guy, Spire. That's a sentence. Yeah. Okay. Um. Okay, Sky, Spy, okay. I'm assuming they want me to walk in on the ground level, right? I don't know. I don't know what the protocol, I don't, I don't know. Is that right? Is that the protocol? I've never been a fly guy before. Do you walk in the, the front door? Do they have like a, is it rude to use the fly guy entrance if you've if you've never been there before? Are you supposed to like walk in on the ground floor your first time? Get your like fly guy pass? <laughs> Would you like me to request more information? Oh, no, no, that's going to, oh, that no, that's going to sound so weird. Uh, no, no, it's going to sound rude. It's going to sound haughty. No, no, I don't want to come off like that. No, you know, I'll walk. No, it's fine. Yeah, no, let's walk. I can still walk. I'm a walking guy. Very well. Magic will give you a date and a time. And that is all of the information. Um, it's tomorrow. Cool. All right. 24 hours to obsess over this. Just normal stuff. Yep. Mm-hmm. Just a normal stuff. Yep. Hey, just another day in the life of busy, busy, super guy victory. Are you also keeping this under wraps? No. Uh, <laughs> Alex is going to probably immediately flip out and start texting. Is it actually immediately going to text Bethel? Immediately just like, <laughs> oh my God, the Union Heroic just texted me. Did they, did they text you too? Is, that, did, are we, is this like a team thing? Are we supposed to go together? Or is it just me? Uh, Bethel, 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 Bethel. <laughs> I think uh, when Lyra gets these messages, she'll go, oh, okay. And then she will just text back and she'll just be like, I got one too. And then uh, just to check, I will send the time that was attached to mine to make sure that they're the same. That's a good question. Are we meeting at the same time or are they having us in separate meetings? Same time. Okay. All right. Did. Oof. You know what? Alex is not going to text Kaz. I'm interested to hear your logic for this, because to me, the fact that you both got invited would suggest that you all got invited. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, if Alex texts me, Bethel will reach out to Kaz. Well, that's fine, yes. Yeah. What I'm saying is that Alex Alex goes to text Kaz, and then doesn't. Oh, because you're fighting, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. Interesting, interesting. The drama. Bethel. Though, are you reaching out to Kaz? Yes. So once, uh, once she gets the message from from Alex, she will then text Kaz, and she will. How will she phrase it? I 
think, uh, I'm trying to think. So it's been a couple of days since the incident, and it's been a couple of days since the therapy sessions. And Kaz, it seems like, has been deliberately avoiding everyone. Correct. So it does seem that way. Because they are deliberately avoiding everyone, I think what Kaz is going to get from Lyra is just a text message that said, are you part of the, whatever time it was, like, are you part of the three o'clock meeting or whatever time that they gave us? And just see what they their response is to that. And I'm going to assume that Kaz has no idea. You do not have any idea, except that your meeting with Alistair and Furnum is roughly around that time. I'm going to say it's at like 2 p.m., not 3 p.m., but yeah. And so I think the text message that Bethel gets back is just uh, simply, nope, not going to the 3 o'clock meeting. Catch me up on anything important. Okay. And I think... With that, she's just going to, like, type back just affirmative, and that's all she's going to do, because she's on Alex's side of this fight. And I think, based on how our last conversation went, Kaz knows that. But I think Lyra has tried as hard as she can to make it clear that she's, like, not going to cut anybody out. She's just not going to, like, push anybody to try and say anything. So I think Bethel does actually get a message back from Kaz that just says, Hey, I'm glad you reached out. I'd actually like to talk to you later. Meet on the roof at seven. I think Lyra just texts back, which roof? (laughs) Or what roof? (laughs) She's just like, there's a lot of roofs, Kaz. And I think uh, Kaz just texts back the one to our dorm. Why do I kind of feel like both Bethel and Kaz have like a list of their favorite roofs in the city? A list of preferred roofs? Listen, Lyra's been uh, micromanaging her neighborhood for three years. (laughs) So... Yeah, I think that's fair. And then uh, and then Lyra doesn't know Danny's back. But I think what Lyra does, and I think what Lyra has been doing since Danny went missing, though, is she keeps going to one of the numbers that was associated with Danny, and she just sends a question mark. And she, like, sends one every day. Just expecting at some point she's going to get some kind of a reaction. So after they have that conversation with Kaz, and she says that, yeah, she will meet them at 7, she will just send the text to Danny, just a question mark, and then automatically text Alex back and be like, I think it's just you and I. Cut to Danny throwing the phone out of the window, and we like time slows down and we zoom in and we see a text message <laughs> pop up from Bethel right as it goes out the window with just a question mark. Just a whole list of question marks once yeah. a day at different times as I wait for you to come back from wherever you are. Alex, the next day. You wake up in your room, in the suite, just like normal. You get in your morning workout, your morning breakfast, which, give any thoughts about where you are in the, in the training program at this particular moment? Oh, goodness. Um, 
I think, oh no. You've unlocked the secret second half of the manual that has all of the telekinesis stuff. Like, you have to do this every day. Yeah, he's going to to be attempting to make an omelet with uh, telekinesis. It's not going fantastically. No, a lot of shells in there. Yeah, no, honestly, it's honestly probably a little bit more more shell than egg to be. I think more more of the egg ended up on the stove than in the pan. Yeah, the, there's definitely like the, the page uh, for the omelet training exercise slash recipe definitely specifies down at the bottom. There will be shells the first few times you do this, but eggshells are where the mind nutrients live. <laughs> so eat as many of them as possible. The gaslighting. <laughs> oh no um also i feel like it kind of goes without saying that alex does not clean up after himself uh definitely goes without saying 100 percent. alex you finish your breakfast you choke down the eggshell omelet i will say so since i am back in the dorm room so at I, I feel like you would have specified otherwise but despite my being in the dorm and making a lot of ruckus in the kitchen with my telekinesis omelet. I, I am not crossing paths with either Danny or Chase. We're jumping around in the timeline a little bit here. Okay. Um, okay. But no, yeah, for, for the okay. purposes, no. But just making sure. Okay, cool. Maybe Kaz would be there, but since you two are fighting, I imagine you've largely been avoiding each other. A hundred percent. I feel like Kaz just hears the sounds and is like, this is when I stay in my room and uh, does not come out until he hears the door to Alex's room close at some point and then like runs out to grab coffee. Although I will say at one point during Alex's morning routine, when he is uh, doing his one arm pushups, he does kind of stop at one point and look over his shoulder past where Kaz would normally sit. To Kaz's closed door. <laughs> what a nice moment. You finish your workout. You get dressed. You head for the Sky Spire. Lyra, you wake up. Glenn is over for breakfast, which has been all too much the norm recently. So you also get dressed. Your mom probably tries to stop you on your way running out the door, but you could just be like, I'm, I'm late. And, you know, your family's pretty used to that at this point. Yeah. I give my mom a hug. I give Glenn Death Glare over her shoulders. Fucking. Right. You shove a piece of toast in your mouth and then you run <laughs> for the bus. I escape. Get on the bus heading also for the Sky Spire. Kaz. Yes. It is a little bit later in the day. Kaz strikes me as a late sleeper. I think that's fair to say. Especially while depressed. (laughs) Jesus. We're definitely doing those depression naps 110%. Mm -hmm. Uh, What else do I have to do with myself? Right. Um, You have your meeting today. Alistair did send you a time and a place. But you wake up from a nap. You, You wake up because you hear all of the noise that Victory is making in the kitchen. And you realize it's Victory. You decide not to come out of your room. You go out, you get coffee. You go back into your room and... Eventually, you know, it just kind of like you're sitting there and it's very hard to avoid dwelling on the events that have transpired recently. And I think eventually you just kind of fall back asleep on your bed. You awaken to more noise. You're not sure exactly how much time has passed. You still have a little bit of time before your meeting. Fortunately, you didn't sleep through it. But now you 
as you wake up to this noise, this like clatter and ruckus, you realize slowly as you regain consciousness that it is not it is not one person, it is not Alex. You can hear multiple people talking. And I think slowly you recognize the boisterous voice of Danny Carson. And I think in that instant, that is the happiest Kaz has looked in weeks at this point. Like, he registers that it's Danny. His face lights up and he just comes like running out of the room pretty much to tackle Danny in a hug. Would you say that you are glomping? Dude, Jesus Christ. <laughs> if we if we must, I will say that. I will say that. What are we doing tonight, Will? <laughs> what are we doing? I don't know. Who knows? We're, we're <laughs> playing to find out what happens. <laughs> um, you run out and you tackle Danny Carsey. Danny, you see your friend Kaz. Danny's mid-McRib bite when tackled I, I like to think they both fall that is how powerful the hug is but <laughs> which wow. I think is hilarious because like we've established Kaz is not strong like I think we can both agree that neither of them are exactly uh, physical powerhouses <laughs> of the team but uh, as uh, Kaz is on top of Danny Danny goes hey, this is Chase and then points <laughs> over uh, to where Chase is enjoying his pizza I imagine there's like a counter in the kitchen and or not a counter, like an island, and Chase is like leaned all the way over from the other side, like staring down at you guys. <laughs> hey, how you doing? I'm Chase, you can call me extra. And Kaz just like slowly looks up, nods at Chase, looks back down at Danny, and asks, Where what? Uh how did you... Did you bring him back? No, he's moving in. He called dibs on the living room. Chase pulls out a second copy of the same letter and hands it on over. I am the new member of the team. And so I think, unlike Danny, Kaz does read the letter. Absolutely. The letter is an official Brand Academy letter. It has the Brand Academy letterhead on it. It is signed by the headmaster, Christine Adams, and it details in its contents that Chase Boyd, aka Extra, is being reassigned from Squad G to Squad H. And so I think Kaz takes that all in, gets up off of Danny, tries to help Danny up, and then turns to Chase and offers his hand and says... Hi, I'm Kaz. You can call me Spectral. Nice to meet you there, Spectral. Shakes your hand like a little too tight and a little too fast. Uh, welcome. Uh, the the others are out, I guess. Okay, cool. Um, well, you know, I kind of already cleared everything with Team Captain Danithal there, and he said it was okay that I took the couch. Um, I hope that's okay with you. I've already kind of got my stuff underneath there. If you want me to move it, that's totally fine. I can sit wherever you need. Um, he said the bathroom is kind of busy. But if you need me to sleep in the bathroom, that's perfectly fine. Whatever makes you uh, content with my being here, I'm happy to. I'm happy to accommodate. Yeah, no, I'm. I'm. I'm good. Uh, I'm. I'm usually in my room. Uh, if if you're up for couch surfing, uh, yeah, go for it. 
cool, 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 cool. Cool. And at this point, I feel like Kaz's expression <laughs> is dropping a bit. And uh, I think he does, like, take a glance at his phone to see how much time he has before he needs to be heading out. An important question. Did Alistair say that I should come alone? Uh, you've probably about 30 minutes before your meeting. He did not specify that you should come alone. And so I, I think all Kaz is going to say is, Danny, I'm so glad you're back. Chase, it's nice to meet you. I need to be uh, going, but I should be back in a, a couple hours. Oh. Um, okay. Do you need a portal? You know, I mean, if, if I've got a portal, I could hang out here for at least another, like, 20, 25 minutes. Danny will gesture to all the food that he teleported and like, excellent. I made, I want to say breakfast. That, that's a word for this. Uh, yes, uh, that is a word. Um, I'm not hungry, but... Uh, I'm I'm glad that you're you're showing Chase such hospitality. While I've been gone, things got put in perspective. And my team is my family, and Chase is now part of my family. We're like distant cousins at this point, but eventually I'm gonna be his dad. Wow. Oh my god, cool. Very cool. Um uh, as I understand it, it's kind of like our home now, so I also feel pretty good about that. We're just going to be one big happy family. Sure. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> um, so you are going to your meeting solo. You spend a little bit more time hanging out with Danny and Chase, your new squad member, and you leave to go to the local coffee shop chain, uh, Farbricks, which, you know, there are a million of. There's like a Farbricks on every street corner here in province, just like most major cities. You shut the door to the suite behind you. Seconds after the door closes, there is a knock at the door. Danny will assume it's Kaz, I guess, and open the door. And on the other side of that door is a very frustrated-looking Michael Ravenholm. Danny leaves. Danny immediately just, uh... (laughs) uh, Danny just starts, like, backing up towards the window and like, Oh, I've got a... Oh, my gosh. Uh, And we'll try and make a jump through the window, forgetting about his portals and just trying to get out of there. <laughs> uh, what floor are we on? I don't know how to answer that question. You are very high up. Uh, Danny's going to try and climb down the building. So just to set the scene, just to paint the picture of what's happening here, you open the door. There's a very frustrated looking Michael Ravenholm on the other side. As you back up, as your eyes go wide, he pulls a hand out of his pocket and he blows sand in your face, uh, which you can, first of all, doesn't feel great in your eyes. And then also you find that you cannot teleport. So as you start like trying to run for the window, he's just going to fully kind of grab you by the back of your shirt as you turn away from him. And he is going to hold on to you and he is going to say, absolutely not. We are talking about this. <laughs> Hey, hey! Oh, you know, I I feel like we just hung out. He points to the couch and says, sit down. 
uh, Danny will look over at Chase and like, can I, do you mind if I sit on your bed? No, yeah, that's totally, I was going to say, I could go, um, <laughs> since my room's taken, I think I'll just go sit on the toilet. Uh, and you just <laughs> let me know when you're ready to hang back out with me. Michael looks at you and says, who are you? <laughs> hey, hi, how are you? I'm the newest member of the team. Pulls out another copy of the note, <laughs> the letter, hits it on over. Already more information than I need. What did you do? Why do I remember you from when I was 16? I believe you met a gentleman named Michael. I mean, oh no. You know, you're right. I did meet a gentleman named Michael, and I didn't have any other information to go off of. Actually, I met a couple Michaels, which (laughs) seemed weird at the time. I'm going to be honest. I didn't question it too much. I didn't think too hard about it. I just thought it was another weird thing in a series of weird things. That was a very weird couple of years for me. Imagine my surprise 15 years later when I walk into my house and I find a bunch of people standing around a tree that came with it. And one of them is Michael. It's a pretty common name. Do you remember like in the 90s when everyone was named Jason? I'm going to ask you one more time. Did you travel through time? Are you going to be mad at me if I tell you the truth? I'm going to be mad at you no matter what you say. Man, I never win this game. I traveled through time. I didn't do it on... I mean, I did travel through time. That's how I got here. That time was on purpose. So, it, in full disclosure, uh, this time... It wasn't on purpose, but I did do it, and I kept doing I did it, like, eight times, I think, seven. It was a lot. Um, and we did we hang out? Yes. Did, did, was it cool? Kind of. You were fun. <sighs> that is the worst part of this. That you're not fun anymore? No, he sits down across from you and kind of, like, puts his head in his hand, and he said, <sighs> I met you when I was 16 years old. You were funny, and you saved my friend's life, and we talked, and we hung out, and now I have that memory. Now you're here, and you exist. And I have, like, positive associations with you. Danny is going to be, like, both simultaneously hurt by him saying that he did not care for him before this. But also, like, emotionally touched by saying he does care for him now. Um, and then, uh, like, slowly, like, put a hand on his shoulder. Like a there-there kind of gesture. Don't... Look, back then, all those years ago, there was no one else, right? There was no... We were the blueprint. Generation H was the first. There was an experiment in letting teenagers with powers be heroes there was nobody who came before us and we fucked up a lot but now I remember meeting this other group that had powers that were our age and seemed like they knew what they were doing and like that made it that made it easier I don't know why I'm telling you god um, Danny's going to try and pierce the, the... Pierce the mask. Yeah, go for it. 
Uh, that is with mundane, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I got a five. Get to market potential, but you are not able to pierce the mask. You don't know if this is like he is. He is clearly having a lot of conflicting emotions. On the one hand, he is frustrated, but on the other hand, like he is saying, it seems like he kind of can't help himself from opening up to you. And I will say Chase, because you are not like actively running the water or anything, you can hear all of this. Also, Michael's not being particularly quiet. You were the blueprint. You 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 said that yourself. Um, and because of your blueprint, because of what you did, we were able to save your friend. And I don't know if I was supposed to do that. I think I was. But if you hadn't been you, who knows what would have happened. So I'm sorry that I'm causing this turmoil, but um, we can be friends if you want. Because you did not successfully pierce the mask, it is very hard to tell how he feels about that statement. But he's going to shake his head and say, that's not what matters right now. What matters is that you time traveled eight times and we don't know what you did. We don't know what you changed. Have you told anyone else about this? No, I I just got back. Um, and I don't know how long it's been. Uh, I'm hoping um, I haven't missed too many of my shows. But it's been... Uh, a little it's it's been a minute um and i you're the first person i've talked to i just i saw kaz kaz seemed like he had a lot on his plate so we just kind of um hung out um i don't know where uh uh victory or bethel are um i don't have to tell them if i'm not supposed to um there's a good chance chase is hearing us he's cool um we're gonna be uh i'm gonna be his dad I think is the plan. But outside of that, I don't, I got, it's just, it's just you, Kimo Sabi. Do you want your books back? <laughs> yes. Are you done with them? No, but I'll give them back. It's just, you can hold on to them until you're done with them. Look, we need to, I need to figure out what the effects of this are going to be, what they might already be, what might have changed as a result of you doing this. It's going to take some time. I'll tell you everything. Um, So first of all, um, the other Michaels were just uh, echoes made by my brain, so you don't need to worry about them. Um, They uh, disappeared back into the waters of Avalon. It was crazy. I don't I don't need to know everything that you did. I mean what the ripples are, what might have changed today as the result of what you did back then. I'm going to use magic to try to figure that out, but it's going to take some time. In the meantime, he closes his eyes and he shakes his head and says, "In the meantime, it should probably stay between us." I don't really want to lie. Um to Bethel or Alex or Kaz. So can I just say that you told me not to tell them? Because that would be better for me. Sure. That's fine. Whatever you need to do. You can tell... If you think you can trust them, you can tell your friends. 
I trust them with everything. If, for example, the Union Heroic were to find out about this, or Interspec, that would be a very different story. I don't really talk to those people. You're... Wait, isn't your sister on the Union Heroic? No, Ellie is the leader of the Mysterium. Can I tell her? No. Okay. Can you tell her I said hi? No. What about Chase? What about Chase? Is he cool? Yeah, he talks to himself in the bathroom. I do that too, so I think he's cool. All right, look, I'm going to start working on this. You need to just please try to use your best judgment when you're talking to people about this. I promise you I will tell everyone. I um, I will tell just my friends, and I will tell them not to tell anyone. And then if anybody else asks, I'll just say I was doing something weird. It's me. They don't expect a lot. It kind of hurts now that I say it out loud. I'm going to go. Okay. Do you want to hang out later? No. Okay. I do not. Well, you, you have my number. Well, you had my number. Danny looks out the window. <laughs> okay. That's going to be fun. This is going to be fun. Before you go, you do need to know about this. And then Danny explains saving the first hero. The one where they were like actively there. Because that one. I, I think that'll be the one that has the most uh, ripple effect. Jesus Christ. You were in the fight. You saved Paragon. Yeah. He didn't see us. I don't think. I really have to go. Get a new phone. (laughs) Danny will pull three out of his overalls. (laughs) Makes sense. Okay. Michael's going to step over to the bathroom and knock on the door a couple times and say, Chase? Uh, yeah. Hey, hey, yeah. Did you hear all that? Uh, nope. Did you hear my TikToks playing? Because they were so loud, I couldn't hear what you were saying. Wait, shit, if he could hear my TikToks playing, he knows that I could hear him. <laughs> nope. Okay. You're not going to tell anyone if you heard anything. Because if you do, the next time you have a nightmare, you're not going to wake up from it. Okay? Yep. Sounds good. Yep. Great. Have a nice day. Turns the water on, starts loudly singing happy birthday to me. (laughs) Michael is going to leave and shut the door behind him. Danny's going to knock on the bathroom door. Happy birthday to me. Open the door, kind of wipe it off with a towel. Perfect timing. So that was, uh, not that I heard anything, but that was, uh, sounded like it was pretty interesting. It was. Um, I just want you to know not to worry about him. Um, he's my friend, and he just gets like that sometimes. Everybody's relationships with their friends are different. Whether you got a lot of friends or like next to none, we all have our own kind of <laughs> unique circumstance. And if ever, and so I'll be on the couch. So if I'm ever having like a nightmare that I don't seem to be waking up from, you'll you got my back, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'll 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 play loud music if that helps. Nice. 
That sounds great. That sounds great. Go team! Gives you a high five. Hell yeah. Danny immediately reciprocates. <laughs> so, Kaz, you show up to the neighborhood Farbricks, the coffee chain. The dark green Griffin logo is impossible to miss. And you uh, step inside and you immediately see Alistair Infernum sitting at a table in the back corner, pretty much as far away from the front as he can be. He is dressed in very normal clothes, for lack of a better term. Like he's wearing a polo shirt and like khakis and a baseball cap that is pulled down, like wraparound sunglasses. It does not fit his normal aesthetic or vibe at all. Yeah, he is clearly trying not to be noticed. I think there's a moment where Kaz's eyes like legitimately just go over him because it's so disconnected from the image that he has of him. Yeah, he'll wave to you. And that that gets Kaz's attention. I think he does order a drink before he heads over something relatively quick, just a cup of coffee so he can get over there quickly. You sit down, you and Alistair exchange pleasantries very briefly. How's your friend? Burke. I, yeah. Uh, no, no change. I'm sorry to hear that. I'm sorry that's the update that I have, but I'm sure they'll be glad to know that you were thinking of them. For what it's worth, maybe, but they're just the latest in a long line of, uh, well, damage left in his wake. He, like, touches his chest as he says that. At least you have a demon inside of you that you can blame. I can only blame myself for that. Look, it's, um... It's not your fault. I mean, I'm not really, like, the the mentor type, I suppose. Uh, uh, it's hard to... I realize you only really have context for me with, like, the one time we've met each other. But, but uh... The rest of my team, you know, I'm not like a, and he's clearly struggling to find the words, super hero, I guess. Like, like some of them are, some of them have been at this for a long time and uh, they're, you know, very good and very wise and they always know, you know, exactly the right thing to say to comfort someone. And, and if I'm completely honest with you, I just have this, uh, this fucking demon dragon living inside me and sometimes it comes out and it like breaks things and it breathes fire everywhere and that's like convenient in certain situations but that's it right that's that's what i've got that's what i bring to the table otherwise i'm just well me so i i'm not gonna know exactly the right thing to say in this situation because it's it's mental to mental situation and um I don't know if there is anything that could be said to make it better honestly and I mean uh, honestly I, I think that helped all of that's probably the nicest thing anyone said to me in in weeks outside of my therapist I don't know if she's my therapist I just saw her once but so yeah uh 
Thank you. No problem. Or whatever it's worth. Anyway, like I said on the phone, I'm afraid I don't have much for you, but some of my friends uh, dug this up. And he pulls out a folded page. Uh, it looks very old, very weathered, kind of like it was maybe pulled straight out of some book. It is folded up, and he'll kind of like push it across the table to you. Should I should I look at that while we're uh, here? Yeah, sure. Um, it's fine. It's it's not going to do anything. You'd have to get it. Um, well. Put on your body some way. Easiest would probably be tattooing, but I don't know how comfortable you are with that. Honestly, the other option is like scarification, so I'd go for the tattoo personally. And I think Kaz just pushes up uh, the sleeves of his jacket to show the tattoos on his forearms. Oh, good. All right, you're covered then. If you open it, you would see that it is a design. Of some kind, it is like a very elaborate circle design that has thick black lines branching off from it and intersecting through it in clearly intentional ways. And Alistair says, I don't know a way to bring the demon to you, much less kill it. But... This should stop it from watching you. And when you say watching, does that mean like just scrying or that kind of thing? Or is this like making me invisible to him? It's a little more complicated than that, but more the latter. You'll not exist to him. If it works as intended, he should forget that you exist. And that will make it at least harder, if not impossible, for him to perceive you. Based on everything you told me, it seems like he has it out for you specifically. What would that mean if I'd made a deal with him? Case by case basis, I'd say. Is the deal done? No. Again, if it works as intended, I imagine the deal would be null and void. Did you sign something? Yes. Well, that complicates things. Is it a deal you can close? And I think Kaz goes to say yes, and then pauses and says possibly but that's complicated look I don't want to pry somebody makes a deal with a demon safe to assume that it's for personal reasons my only advice would be if you can close the contract and then this should work and maybe this is me being paranoid but this will only affect that one demon. I guess I'm less concerned about other demons. I'm more concerned about other people in my life. 
it only works on demons. So good news, unless you... I don't imagine you have more than one demon in your life. At least I would hope not. I mean, at least to my knowledge, that's true. What it's not going to work on is other beings from hell, like uh, Hildrix, for example. Okay, that was going to be my next question, so glad we have that answered. Not planning on letting the old boy out around you anytime soon. We've had a chat. I think at that, Kaz kind of pauses and then looks at him and just asks, I mean, it's not like we really had a proper introduction. What do you know about me, Alistair? I know that you don't want me to know you. You never did give me uh, your real name, and I haven't looked into it. You know, talking to a Heldrake is not exactly the most linear conversation. Uh, There's a lot of empty threats, a lot of, um, you know, I'll eat you alive, I'll, you know, piss fire on your grave, that kind of thing. Um, And uh, a lot of threats, mostly. So he hasn't exactly been clear with me on why he's so fascinated with you, except he keeps saying, he keeps saying you belong to him. Yeah, I I had some questions about that, and I don't know if you can answer them, but uh, I mean, I don't know. That doesn't seem like a normal thing for a Heldrake to be saying about a person who, at least to my knowledge, hasn't spent any time in hell before. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not too sure about that part myself. I was kind of afraid you would say that. All right, well, thank you. This is the biggest lead I've gotten in weeks. I wish I could do more. And if you need anything, you got my number. I appreciate it. He's quiet for a second, like he's thinking about saying something, and then finally he kind of leans back in the chair, one hand on the coffee cup in front of him. And he narrows his eyes at you like he's deciding to say something. And finally he says, I find that it's not worth thinking about. Um, hell, more specifically, I guess. You, you think about it for too long. You try to make sense of it and reconcile it with things like um, religion and stories and, and all of that. And you're going to go insane. I try to think of it as just a place, just like any other place. But it isn't. Is it? It's not a good place. But that's true of plenty of things up here, too. But that's the thing. I I can't not be thinking about hell because... Because right now, someone very, very important to me is there and has been there for longer than he should have been. 
and I have to do something. Kaz, when you were chatting with Alistair before at the bar, did you tell him about Jonathan? I don't think I would have told him about Jonathan, but I think I would have told him that Jonathan was taken. Okay. Then, as you say that, he's going to say, well, your friend's not in hell. Not if... He pauses. The demon took him. Wait, what? I mean, he... He can't go back there. He escaped. He left. That's not supposed to happen. Okay. That's, um... That's... That's good to know. That's part of the reason why old Golgamoth is here in the first place. Too many jailbreaks. And I think, like, Kaz looks thoughtful at that and then just says, Yeah, okay. Yeah, I see. Alright, so I don't have to go to hell. That's something. You know, I wouldn't recommend it, no matter how many times somebody tells you to. Yeah, I wasn't really looking forward to it. Uh, but that makes this symbol that much more helpful. Alistair is going to look past you and he's going to say, oh, bloody hell. And he's kind of going to like duck down and you can see, if you look over your shoulder, you can see somebody like standing in the window looking directly at him. They have tattoos and are wearing a leather jacket and like are looking very closely like they're maybe recognizing him. Fuck, Luke, I've got to get out of here, but listen, sometimes when things seem really bad, I remind myself that Golgamoth wouldn't be up here, he wouldn't exist, if hell was an inescapable fate. You know, he only exists, creatures like him only exist to stop people from leaving. So, the future's not written in stone, and whoever's making the rules is worried about people breaking them. I think that's the most hopeful thing I've heard in a long time. Well, at least I could do that for you. You've done a lot. Accurate. I've got to run, but take care of yourself. He's going to leave, but in the aftermath, I think he's going he's gonna to shift your labels around a little bit. Interesting. With that conversation. Okay. I think he's going to try to shift your freak down. I'm tempted to say superior up. Because he's kind of giving you, like, knowledge to fight Crossroads with. Kaz isn't going to, uh, isn't going to challenge that. Kaz will take the shifting of his labels. So mote it be. And with that, he leaves the coffee shop, and we are going to jump across town to where Victory and Bethel are presumably meeting up before your meeting. So anyway, I wasn't totally sure if I should like go to like the, the flying entrance. Assuming there is one, I kind of have to assume there's got to be a flying entrance of some kind. But it seemed really presumptuous to do that like on my first time here. And then it feels weird if you're like walking directly into the lobby, if they know you can fly, like is that like some some weird faux pas but like i feel a lot better with you being here because if we're walking in together that 
I don't know. It just makes you feel a lot better in my mind. Uh, I just double checked. I am still both guilty and insecure. So I think that's visibly coming across to Alex that I am anxious about this because we're going to be going to the the equivalent of the Hall of Justice, fucking Christ, to the, the Sky Spire. So she's just listening to Alex's whole like rambling spiel about flying. And she's just like, mm-hmm, you know, uh, yeah, it's probably good that you don't fly in without me because um I can't fly. And I think it would be it would probably look really undignified if you tried to take me with you. So walking in is probably better for us. At least this this first time. Now there is some irony to this statement, Bethel, as you make it, because you're standing on the pier of Province Harbor, which kind of just extends out a little bit over the water. It has like railings on either side, benches, there's like some concession stands that are there selling like popcorn and hot dogs and things like that. Pretty much exactly what you might expect to see in the harbor of any city. Out in the water of Province Harbor proper, there is an island, which is known as Spire Island. You can see it very easily from where you are. And you would know from just the history of your city and superheroes in general that it is an artificially constructed island that used to contain the Spire, which was the headquarters for the original Union Heroic. That was destroyed about 10 years ago in a fight with a supervillain. And so now it has mostly just been reduced to a pile of rubble. Most of the debris has been cleared away, and what is left of the structure kind of stands as a memorial. But the Union Heroic's new headquarters, the Sky Spire, floats in the air above Spire Island. And, you know, I assume they've got to have like, like, like a shuttle bus or something. Well, not all of them can fly themselves, so there's got to be another way to get up there. Maybe they have a Danny. <laughs> and I was just kind of standing there with her arms crossed, and she's just like, I. As you are standing there at the end of the pier, there is like a railing right in front of you and a railing off to either side. There's one of those old timey observation glasses where you like put a quarter in. But as you are standing there, a voice is going to come out of the observation station. It sounds very magically, actually. <laughs> and it says, Please keep your arms and legs inside the vehicle while it is moving. Ira just like reaches over and holds on to, to Alex because he's going to be much more stable than she will. And just the end of the pier detaches from the rest of it and starts to float up into the air towards the sky spire. A hatch opens and another railing rises up to encase you on all sides for safety. And down below you, the end of the pier that was left open, the same thing happens. Another railing rises up to stop anybody from falling off the edge. You know, I, I kind of feel like there should have been one of those like like yellow and black hash hazard strips or something there. I don't know. I feel like this this whole this whole contraption's maybe not not as I don't know, kind of like kind of an ocean nightmare. Alex, what do you think this is about? I I honestly have no idea. Can I be totally honest with you, Bethel? Yep. I'm I'm scared as hell, Bethel. But um I just kind of I want you to know that I am I'm really glad you're here. I know that I haven't been the easiest to deal with lately. 
I know none of us have been. We've been kind of scattered to the four winds, dealing with our own shit. But, um... I'm glad I'm not doing this alone, and I am glad that I am doing it with you, whatever it is. And... I feel like I owe you an apology. The way things went down at the frat house. There's a lot of that that I still, um, that I'm still not okay with. But I have to own up to the fact that some of that was my fault. And a big part of that was not, was not checking in with you was not giving you a sit rep, was not treating you like the leader that we all decided you should be. And, uh, you know, post facto doesn't change anything that happened there. It's not going to, but what it's worth I'm going to be better about that. Be better about it being open with you about my weird bullshit. Like, for instance, did you know that the Dr. Victory that caught your sister, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Got caught your sister. Um, so not actually my Dr. M. No, he's from a different universe. A lot to unpack there. Um, but did just want to lay that on the table. Cause again, trying to be better about communication. Okay. Yeah, that actually that actually does help because I was wondering about that because I remembered you you mentioning your 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 doctor victory once um and he did not sound like the kind of person who I don't know if we have time to get into it right now uh, yeah I do not think but, that we do but I just realized that that was something that I hadn't mentioned and I needed I wanted to be more open with you because uh this all right this really got away from me um but I am going to be better about this because I. I believe in you as the leader of this team. And if possible, I'd like to roll to comfort and support. Oh my god. I would love that. Please do. Not only that, but I think some other stuff is going to happen too, which we'll talk about in a second. Oh, it is mundane, and that's really bad for me right now. You know, we'll see what (laughs) happens. Who knows? Oh no. The power of friendship. Oh, please. (laughs) And... Okay, that's, that's still a nine. Okay, so it's a hit. Okay, so you can choose to mark potential, clear condition, or shift labels if you uh, if you open up. But I cannot add team to the pool or clear condition because I did not get high enough. All right. I think listening to this, I think I'm going to clear insecure. Uh, I still feel guilty about all of the everything. Understandable. Yeah. So I think she listens to this and the apology and what she's gonna say is she's holding on to like your elbow because it's very clear like she's not used to being up this high and she's like studiously like not looking down and so she's just like got a grip on your like your elbow but she does give it just give you like a comforting squeeze and she says back what she says back is um i think we all owe each other some kind of an apology for that night none of it was handled well by any of us and it is not a lesson that I'm happy we learned that way but if it's a lesson that makes sure it never happens again then that's what we have to look at it as 
we can't stop these things from happening to us by just being regretful about them. So if all we can take away from this is that we need to check in with each other and make sure everyone else is okay in the moment and not just wait to do maintenance in the aftermath, then I think we can be okay again. Man, you would think that being able to fly would make me less prone to being airsick, but that has really not been the case. They really should have one of those like complimentary like airline care packages that has like the little bits of little bottles of Dramamine in it. With a shudder and a hiss and a click, the platform that you were standing on attaches itself to the edge of the sky spire. The railing in front of you slides down into a hatch, clearing the way for you to step onto the edge of the sky spire. Ahead of you, you can see two heavy sliding metal doors that are currently partially open. It almost looks more like a hangar than an entrance or people to walk in it is very large but standing in between these two large doors you would recognize two people you would recognize luminary and you would also recognize nightfall whom you have not seen since your first superhero battle with the demon crossroads victory Not only did you share a vulnerability or weakness with someone, but you also told them a secret about your legacy. And as such, you can clear a condition, and Bethel, you get influence over victory. What happens again when you get double influence over someone? You immediately get to shift victory's labels. I think I'm going to put your freak down one and your mundane up one. Because, again, to, to Lyra, she is still coming to terms with the fact that Alex as he is now is not the Alex that she, like, like, he's so different from who he was even a year ago. And so for just kind of this moment, it seems like the most, like, normal kind of conversation that we've had together since all this craziness has been going down, and she just kind of remembers Alex from high school. And that also makes sense with how she's still feeling guilty, because... That's still buying into the whole, you don't know shit about shit about me, (laughs) buddy. So Alex, you feel a little more normal and a little less alien in that moment. And as you step out onto the sky spire, Luminary and Nightfall are going to wait for you to get a little bit closer. When you reach them, Luminary is going to say, Come on in. We have a lot to talk about. If you'd like to keep up with us and what we're up to, you can follow us on Twitter at LiveFromTheApoc, Instagram and TikTok at LiveFromTheApocalypse, or join our Discord community, which will be linked in the description down below. And if you enjoyed what you heard today, feel free to give us a good rating and follow us on your podcatcher of choice. Leave a review if you're so inclined, it really does help us out so much. The donation link to our First Nations Development Institute fundraising campaign can also be found in the description if you'd like to help support Indigenous communities. Join us for the live recordings of Academy H every other Sunday, or any of our many other ongoing live-streamed campaigns that happen throughout the week over at twitch.tv slash livefromtheapocalypse. For all this information and more, check out livefromtheapocalypse.com. As always... Nothing we do would be possible without your support, and we appreciate you 
so much. Until next time. Academy H is edited by Will Malkus, with music and sound effects from Epidemic Sound. Character art by at OxyBellasDraws on Twitter and Instagram. Hey, Will, how was that to uh, to get to play my character's therapist? I never got to ask you that. Um, I'm not a therapist, so it's pretty easy for me. Because if I do a bad <laughs> job, it doesn't matter. Um, 